This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hey guys, it's Laura and Angela. We are about to start this week's episode, but first we want to thank our sponsor, adamandeve.com. And for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. What kind of items? All your sexy stuff. Do you guys know how many hours Laura, Laura and I spend just talking about how much we love Adam and Eve? We spend a lot of hours talking about it because sometimes you don't know where to get sexy things like, I don't know, lingerie, dildos. Vibrating butt plugs. Yes. I don't know. Things you want to maybe experiment with. You do you. You can find all different kinds of fun stuff. Scour their site because they have everything if you want to get experimental or you want to like spice up your night alone or your date night. You can do both. Yep. And once you find your spicy item, you select it, you get 50% off. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free mystery gift. And to top it all off, they will even throw in free shipping on your entire order. That's right. Go to adamandeve.com. Come and use our code SINGLE at checkout. That's S-I-N-G-L-E at adamandeve.com. Use our code SINGLE at adamandeve.com. Now let's start start the the show. show. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Welcome to the This Is Why You're Single podcast. I'm Laura Lane. And I'm Angela Spera. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we highlight a different dating topic. This week's episode is creating your dating checklist. Yes. Also in the lineup, we're talking about what's new in dating news, the new horrible dating trend called submarining, and how long most millennial couples are staying together. Then we're diving into the mailbox to answer your listener questions. But first, we want to welcome this week's guest. She's a relationship expert who has made hundreds of national media appearances. She's contributed to Glamour and is the author of five books, including It's Okay to Sleep with Him on the First Date and Every Other Rule of Dating Debunked. Cheat on Your Husband, with your husband, and also the book, He's Just Not Your Type, and That's a Good Thing. Most recently, she founded Pregnantish, the first lifestyle site helping singles and couples navigate fertility and infertility treatments. Please welcome Andrea Siertesh. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for coming on the podcast. So I have known you for a while. When I used to work at Celebrity Weekly Magazines, you were like my go-to mm-hmm. celebrity relationship expert. But I actually never asked you how you got into becoming a relationship expert. It's a good question. And I'm asked it often because I always say I'm credible, not clinical. I don't, <laughs> pretend, I don't pretend to have a PhD in dating. Um, but basically, the first book I worked on, which was already back in 2004, 2005, was called How to Survive Dating. And it was my first paid journalism assignment. I was fresh out of school and kind of, you know, didn't really understand the world of dating. And I realized I kept hearing the same three things. I was tasked with interviewing hundreds of people around the country about dating and surviving dating. And I kept hearing the same things. And I thought, wow, this is like really, and I'm sure you guys hear this all the time on the show as well. It's not that complicated. And yet it's something that's so important to people. So my publisher booked me on the radio to talk about the book. And uh, the the announcer said, we're lucky to be joined by a dating expert. And I actually paused because I thought <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really cool there was a dating expert in the studio. <laughs> he said, Andrea Sirtash. And I was on for an hour answering live Q&A call-in. And that's how my career launched. So wow. that was already 12 years ago. So I've been, you know, since then, written a number of books, I hosted TV and digital shows about dating, and I've really immersed myself, not just in dating, but in the world of relationship research, and um, I'm a journalist by profession, and just investigating trends and patterns and all of that. Yeah, if you look at her, at her media credits, you basically have been interviewed by almost every publication I can think of. Yeah. She's like the go-to relationship <laughs> expert. At every magazine that I worked at, we would always call her. Everyone's got questions about dating. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, in, in a, a magazine, and thank you for always calling. I mean, a magazine can, can literally publish the same article on five ways to land a guy, for instance, yeah. with slightly different graphics and maybe a slightly different title with some of the trends you guys talk about on the show. But it's essentially the same, again, three to five themes. 
So because you are now a dating expert, do people always assume that in your personal life you're like great at dating? And are you great at dating? In your <laughs> well, I'm good at dating my husband, okay. I think. So, so yes, I, you nailed it. I, I wrote a book called, like you said, Cheat on Your Husband with Your Husband, How to Date Your Spouse. I thought that was a good transition. Yeah. Um, I'm still very much in You wrote the, that like right after you got married? I wrote that soon after I got married, a few years later, because I felt frustrated that all the marriage books were about relationship rescue. And I thought, you don't need to be in deep trouble to just want to improve your marriage and spice it up. So that's why I wrote that. But I'm still, you know, I hosted most recently a pilot for Fox called Love 911 where I was answering live dating and relationship questions. So I feel like I'm very much in the field all the time talking to people. That's how we feel. I mean, I'm married now. And and when we first started the podcast, Angela was single, but now she has a boyfriend she's been with for a while. But yeah, we're constantly talking to single people and also dealing with issues in our own relationships that really are universal, whether you're single or in a relationship. And yeah, you kind of, you never stop learning. They're That's just right. problems. <laughs> yeah. And you also realize that in the theme of relationships, not just romantic ones, a lot of the themes actually, I did a TEDx talk last year called How to Make Love Outside the Bedroom. And it was for business relationships because the same <laughs> themes apply, which is all about, you know, acknowledgement and trust communication. All the, all the things you would think of that you need on a first date or a year 10 of a marriage actually apply in the office as well. Well, not all. <laughs> which, which which ones would you say apply? Mostly acknowledgement. Uh, a lot of times people will say, what's your number one relationship tip, which is obviously a, a really tough question to answer because we can all go on for weeks. Um, but I, I really think it boils down to uh, everybody wants to be seen, heard, and valued. And what is that? That's acknowledgement. I mean, it, relationships work when we feel acknowledged in work, business, or friendship if we feel valued. And if we don't, they they don't. So it's really like almost saying thank you and acknowledging the things that you like about somebody. It's saying thank you, but it's also through actions, not just words. Um, it's, uh, you know, I think my big dating advice all the time is to, and we will, I know, talk about checklists, but don't just focus on who the person you're dating is. Look at who you are with them. Because in good relationships, the best is brought out. Um, and part of that is being seen for who you are, not who someone wants you to be. Mm. And that's the big shift people need to make, I think, a lot of the time. It's so, it's so interesting. But yeah, it is. It's hard. Well, I think because there's also a, a version of you that you want to be and a version of you that you are. <laughs> yes. you, have to, they have to, you have to be that somewhere in between person when you're, you're with your person. Well, you I know? do think the first three to six months of dating, everyone's lying. Um, <laughs> but not really on purpose. Right. <laughs> well, hopefully not on purpose. You're putting the best version yeah. of yourself forward. Yeah. So when I used to call you to be like, what do you think about Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt? Uh, I am curious, what can we learn from celebrity relationships or should we learn nothing? That's really funny. Um, I think celebrity relationships are, you know, sometimes we can find a reflection of our own lives. It's it's so funny, all those, those magazines that say, they're just like us, they grocery shop. Well, yeah. <laughs> They are human. That I, is true. I, I really should have uh, like dug through my magazines <laughs> to find like which articles I, I interviewed you for because it was so long ago since yes. I worked at all those magazines. But yeah, I really wish I could remember exactly which stories. I'm sure it would be like after a breakup or or maybe like things we heard, you know, from sources that things were rocky. And then if I'd be I like, Andrea, yes. do you think that they're going to last <laughs> that or was not? always the question and not just by you. I'm called okay. all the time about, I can't tell you how many times I've weighed in on um, every Kardashian with that question. Uh, but Or do you think that Gwen Stefani is good for Blake Shelton? Yes. Totally. Like how totally. many times in your life have you talked about Jennifer Aniston? Nonstop. <laughs> like, and it's funny because at the end of the day, obviously we don't know exactly what, not only in a celebrity relationship, even within our friendships, we don't know what happens behind closed doors in relationships. Right. So, um, I that was, is true so much when you all of a sudden hear like, one of your friends is breaking up. You're like, but I thought they were so perfect. Yeah. Like we have a couple that we just found out are separating, getting divorced. And I was like, what? Yeah. But they were like the <laughs> ultimate, cool, perfect couple. Yeah. I'm so baffled. I was equally as broken up about them as I was about like Anna Ferris and Chris Pratt. Yeah, right? <laughs> I took totally, both very hard. Totally. But the funny, the thing I always say is don't judge a Facebook by its cover. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> true. Um, because you, Joe, we curate our lives these days on social and then... But but I mean I will say with 
celebrity relationships, uh, obviously there's a built-in challenge that they have. Um, people think they have access to, and in many ways they do have a lot more access to things and experiences. But that can also, you know, long shooting days, being away for months at a time, the ego involved, um, having people constantly throwing themselves at you. It, it's easy for us to judge on this side what that must be like. We don't really know. Yeah, it's got to be so hard. Um, so you wrote a book called He's Just Not Your Type, and that's a good thing. So mm -hmm. I'm curious for women and men that are like stuck in a pattern, which we hear a lot um, from our listeners that they just keep going for the same type of guy and surprise it doesn't work out. How do they change the type of guy that they go for or girl? It's a good question. That's why I wrote the book because I, I felt through my work interviewing people, I also am a relationship coach. So I would work with people and be so frustrated. But then I realized we all, I've done that. We all have patterns in life and in love. And the first step is actually identifying our pattern. So <laughs> the question I usually ask, uh, in this case, singles who want to break their dating pattern is something simple. Like if your dating life were a movie, what would it be called? How does it begin and end? What character do you always play? You start to see themes. So are you always the pursuer or the pursued? Are you, uh, do you like people more when they don't like you? Well, that's a problem. Hello, this is why you're single. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't take a dating detective to figure that out. Um, but sometimes it's more nuanced and it's not as clear right away. So um, I think it's really important to be self-reflective and really honest about your pattern. And it could be that you're a commitment phobe. Pre previous, like before I got married, I call it a love label. In my book, He's Just Not Your Type, and that's a good thing. I have a whole chapter on love labels, and that's the perspective we come into dating with. My love label was run commitment phobe. <laughs> and I was called runaway bride by, by exes who said, you will never commit. You are so commitment phobic. I love that, that a relationship coach and expert is right. the runaway well, bride. I, <laughs> I was, well, you know, it's funny because I never dreamt of, I know when I got married, people say, haven't you pictured your wedding dress your whole life? Nope, never thought of it. Did not even think I'd get married. <laughs> um, so no, I did not. And I'm very free-spirited. And so I almost needed to accidentally fall in love for it to happen, uh, but which is really what the core of so many of the stories in the book are when we were out of our heads and in our hearts, which is when dating works a bit better. Yes. Um, but, but really, uh, the commitment-phobe label wasn't serving me, and any love label people have, such as always the friend, always cheated on, anytime we have a perspective in life and in love, we, we prove the perspective. We collect evidence to prove it. So if you walk in a room and you say, well, in New York City where we live, everyone's rude. We can find, a, you know, we'll in find one day, someone rude. how many examples on the subway and out will you find? But if the next day you say, people are really friendly in this city, you will collect that evidence. So it's so important to even confront your pattern of what you're telling yourself. Not just what you're doing. I love that. Yeah, how you label yourself. If you're like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have a great day today. Right. And you're like, look for ways <laughs> of how your day. I, I talked, I've talked about this before, but I have my like gratitude app that asks me like, what did, what made today a good day? What did you laugh about today? What are you grateful for today? And even if I had the shittiest day where I was like on the phone for like an hour and a half with my insurance and like, and and then I got disconnected <laughs> or you know somebody push me on the subway and I got like splattered with mud. Like it just, at the end of the day, I'll think about, okay, what were the good parts of the day? And it does, it just labels my day differently. So I can yeah. imagine if you label yourself and your outlook in life, it will really affect you. Mm -hmm. I think it's, a lot of it is like letting go of the past, mm -hmm. you know, like you, you can't, you're not the person that you were five years ago. So stop acting like it. Yeah. I, I remember, I don't know if I ever pitched the article, but I, I, I came up with this article on, on post-traumatic date disorder <laughs> where we, we, I mean, truly, where hopefully nothing traumatic really <laughs> yeah, happened, yeah. but we carry, we sometimes lug in this baggage and not only, it's an energy, you know, if you don't trust a person, whether you're gay or straight, man or woman, if you don't trust, that's an energy you're putting out and you'll, you'll prove that I'm sure. It's so hard because it's such a fine balance. On one hand, as humans, you want to learn from your past experiences that you've had and you want to learn from the good and the bad. But on the other, you don't want to put that baggage on somebody else. So if you've been like ghosted by like the last five guys, it's, you don't want to be cynical going into like 
date number date number six, you know? Well, I do a bit of a dating intervention in that case. <laughs> I'd say, okay, if you've been ghosted this many times, then before you go on date number seven, what's your pattern? What happened before that? Um, sometimes we can blame the other person that we're in a flaky whatever city. It's not always that. Sometimes there's a few insights we can probably take away. That's interesting. Um, so you mentioned a little earlier about your book, Cheat on Your Husband with Your Husband. Now that I'm a married woman, how can I do that? <laughs> how can I cheat on my husband? How can, my I, husband? How can I cheat on that? <laughs> is it like, is it um, uh, Jenny Mullen, who I'm like obsessed with, has like a little web series. Jason Biggs' wife. Right? J- Jason Biggs' wife. And in that, she's like, I'm cheating on my husband. But really, he was practicing for a acting role and like she wanted him to like stay in his role while they were making love so but this isn't role playing (laughs) no that's so funny because people when when the book came out would say like so you're telling me to show up at a bar as a like as a in as a stewardess (laughs) no that's not the book i mean to each her own go for it if that maybe you want to do that too yeah perfect if that you're into that that's not the core of the book the book was basically Uh, that part of the work of relationships is keeping the play alive. And that is work because when you're falling in love, being in love and falling in love are very different chemically in your brain, actually. And when you're out of that first stage of falling in love, you can kind of game your brain a bit to feel some of those feelings again. So that's really what that book's about. How can you do it? How do you do it? That butterfly feeling at the beginning is the best. It is such a drug. I want more of that. Okay, well, we all do. And um, I, one of the quickest ways, and you know, of course, it's never going to feel like you're never going to have that first kiss. I get that. But novelty is the secret sauce. So if you, couples tend to get into a routine that feels really cozy and awesome at times, especially Netflix and chill when you're, you know, when it's wintry. But then if you really want to spark that excitement and the dopamine and everything in your brain, getting way outside your comfort zone together. That's why when you travel together, you kind of feel more amorous as well. Your brain actually processes new experiences and thinks that the love is new. Um, so it's a great way to do it. Hear that, Nick? We got to travel more. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you got to dress up like a stewardess. Yeah, that's a great takeaway for the audience. Um, <laughs> but, but it could be as simple as not just going to your neighborhood cafe and actually saying, let's try... A new one. My friend. Oh man, but we love, but we love. I know. We love Cantina Royale. (laughs) I love my I love my date spot. They have great tacos and margaritas. Totally get it. I, you know, one of my friends who had a baby recently. Her challenge was the last thing I want to do is drive half hour away, and it's just not going to happen. So her she she and her husband um, started like this cooking. Thing together where they would pick a recipe once a month from a different part of the world and try to tackle it together when the oh, baby went cute. to bed. Yeah, and they would put on the monitor and that was kind of a way to literally spice things up. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and I love when food is involved. I can, I'm game for anything that I can eat. <laughs> always, always. That's a fun idea. Um, so your, your most recent book is called It's Okay to Sleep with Him on the First Date and Every Other Rule of Dating Debunked. Oh, we had a guest recently, <laughs> Abby Crutchfield, who said she's never slept with a guy on a first date. Or until he was her boyfriend. Right. Yeah. On any date until they were like official. So how how do you pull that off? Okay. So I just want to say that the book's not called You Should Sleep With Him on the First Date. <laughs> <laughs> it's called It's Okay To. So I co-wrote it with Jeff Wilzer, who's a great writer also, and he... Um, He and I just felt so frustrated by the dating advice industry in general, which felt so fear-based and negative. And Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. And a bunch of the millionaire matchmakers, like, straighten your hair and don't have red hair. Like, ridiculous dating rules. Don't have red hair? Literally. I remember. Literally. So, Andrea, I I interviewed another matchmaker when I was working at Celebrity Magazines. A little detour that I want (laughs) to get back. And he came into the office, and I was not asking for dating advice at all. I was perfectly happy being single. I was like 20, 24. (laughs) 
and I had like a Hebrew necklace on and he was like, what's up with this? Are you like super Jewy? He's like, are you like, <laughs> oh are you like super Jewy or something? Cause you're giving off like super Jew vibes with your, with your like Hebrew necklace. And I was like, what the fuck? I didn't even <laughs> ask you for advice. That's the worst. But yeah, but there are so many, it's like, don't wear Don't wear that type of skirt. Like don't. Oh. And then my hair was like in a ponytail and he's like, don't wear your hair in a ponytail or something. And I was like, by the way, my face looks better when it's in a ponytail. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and sure enough. And, and maybe I want to date a rabbi. What do you know? What do you? And sure enough, I met Nick when my hair was in a goddamn bun, even even tied up more than a ponytail. So he don't know shit. He doesn't because you know what? What's annoying to not that that's ever annoying, but what's annoying to one person is endearing to another, and it's ridiculous to make blanket rules and statements. And life and love are not linear. Like. Nothing is black and white. I mean, what love story do I know that ever, someone followed all 10 rules and paint by numbers and they met a match? Yeah. And that's so much of the dating advice industry. I was so frustrated by it. And so we debunked 50 bullshit dating rules that with evidence. We actually had evidence, um, scientific studies, case studies. We teamed up with Cosmo magazine to do a nationwide survey on sex attitudes across America. Uh, overwhelming majority of men said it's a myth that they won't call a girl again if she sleeps with him, quote unquote, too soon. I even said on Abby's podcast, Abby was another guest we had a little bit ago, that my college boyfriend, we slept with each other like the first day we met and Mm -hmm. he very quickly after that asked me to be his girlfriend. See? So, well, I think because if you're both doing it because you're just like, wow, we're both really into each other. It's only been like, Whatever, however long your date has been, let's say two hours, like <laughs> 45 minutes. Uh, like, I think then it works. I think it, when it doesn't work is when it's like when a girl feels like obligated or like she feels like she's doing totally. it because she thinks it'll keep it'll, him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like dangling something. That's totally true. Because if he doesn't call again after you sleep with him, he was never going to call again. Right. That's the thing that I wish more people understood because. It, it then we they say people have said things to me through the years like oh, I slept with him too soon and and I didn't make him work for it and I gave him the milk for free and I'm like first of all what year is this you're not you're like 28 or 30 you're not 18 so hopefully your prefrontal cortex is developed <laughs> you 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 can think through things rationally and if you're two consenting adults, I think it's super sexist to have this rule, actually. Because what we're saying is that sex is for men's pleasure only. And that um, that's how we get our value. And it's it's crazy. This is what we say in our book. And this is the problem that I see over and over again. If you have sex with a guy and you think you do it too soon and you put those vibes out and you're not... It basically, if you don't go into the night with confidence, like I want to have sex with you and I'm doing it because I want to, mm-hmm. th- then that's the guy's going to pick up on the vibes that's right. that you like regretted the night and he's going to feel weird about it. You're going to feel weird about it. And he's going to be like, why does she feel weird about it? And it's just going to set a weird tone to the relationship. But if you go into the night with the confidence that like you look really hot tonight and like I'm feeling pretty hot tonight and like there's so much passion between us. I want to have sex and mm-hmm. I feel confident in my decision then then things are great. You're getting off to like a great start. And it, it's really like your mindset because he can pick up on those vibes. That's right. It's your mindset and also knowing what you're prepared to handle. Because if you do it to get some kind of weird payoff, like, well, now he's going to be more interested in me, then that's a problem too. I mean, you just right. have to almost, I always say to people, dating works when we're our vacation selves. Kind of the energy of being open, taking risks, uh, being present. That's great. And But uh, if it's tied up in your self-worth and other things, then it might get messy. Yeah. Um, I You also recently started the website Pregnantish. Tell me a little bit about how that came about and what made you want to start it. You Was it... Did it kind of come out of you working with couples and and then like the next step in their relationship? Or yeah, what made you start this this website and tell us about it? Sure. Yeah. So Pregnantish is the first non-medical site. It's really a relationship slash lifestyle site helping um, both hetero and non-heterosexual singles and couples navigate infertility and fertility treatments. And the reason I created it is because my husband and I have been going through this. I've had a medical issue since I was 14. And uh, it's funny because at 14, when the doctor tells you you have a fertility issue, you're like, yes, 
great. <laughs> I don't want to. I mean, I wasn't sexually active yet, but yeah, you know, you're right. a teenager. You're not. You're not thinking about baby making, and um, and then it became really an issue in our marriage, where I've had. I call myself an overachiever. Oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I've had 21 treatments. I've gone through eight doctors. I've. Um, had open stomach surgery. I've really gone through wow. a lot to get rid of some of the issues. We're still in process of trying to not just get pregnant, but I need to stay pregnant. So that that's that's a medical issue. And I was so frustrated by the lack of resources that weren't medical. It felt like everything was really clinical. And in my own work, I was dealing with singles and couples navigating egg freezing and, you know, dating and and couples trying to keep sex sexy when they couldn't conceive. And these are relational issues. Uh, or how do you tell your boss you're going through IVF and you're going to be late every day? It felt like there's nothing out there for that. So I created this space. I, I felt like it was time with 7.6 million people in this country going through it. Uh, it's time to dedicate some lifestyle resources to this and support. Yeah, I'm so glad you did this. This is, this is very needed. I think I talked about on early on another podcast that I was born with half a uterus. So, and I, I found out recently and there really aren't, there just are no resources out there for people. And it's, it's so much more common, you know, I didn't know that about you, but it's so much more common than you, you realize because every time I've been in a room now, if you're basically between the age of 25 and 45, uh, you either have gone through something that's affected fertility or might, or you know someone who has. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I just, it, it, it's also lived on parenting vertical, parenting sites. And when you're going through infertility, it's like the worst place to <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah. You see like just, babies. Yeah. And oh, now I need to find, wah, wah, that's my section. That really sucks. <laughs> so I just wanted to kind of, my goal with pregnant is just to break the taboo, break the silence, and have like elevate the conversation, space. have a safe space and Support people through major decisions. If you're a gay couple and you have to pick a sperm or an egg donor, that's a big fucking decision. Like, why are there no resources um, or few resources? So we're we're you know we we featured a trans man recently for Pride who's gone through IVF and he shot up for ten years with male hormones and then had to go oh through God. female hormones to harvest his eggs. Wow! And these stories, what I say is, it's just modern family making. And these stories, I want to tell these stories so people feel less alone. I mean, we can't all relate to the trans guy, obviously. That's very extraordinary. But uh, how many friends of mine are freezing their eggs right now? Um, a lot of companies are supporting women in this. And it's I, I know two uncharted friends, territory. Two friends recently in like the last month that told me that they that they froze their eggs. Yeah. And one was like, it was no big deal. I like did my shots. Like it was so easy. <laughs> and my other friend was like, I was in the darkest place ever. The hormones affected me. I was like, haven't been myself for like the last year. It affects people completely different. You you can't put like a blanket statement on how it's going to affect Absolutely. you. And like, yeah, one, one friend was like, oh my God, it was like a piece of cake. Like I loved it. <laughs> I, I loved it. I do it again. I do it tomorrow. And the other friend was like, I regret doing it. Like never again. And, oh my God. She didn't regret it. I, I, she didn't say she regretted but, it. But she you're just, right. You're totally right that it's it's like our bodies, we all have different bodies, right? So I call it pregnant-ish because you are hormonal. <laughs> and I have, you know, I don't know what it's like to carry a pregnancy to term, but my body, like you're told after fertility treatments not to exercise, not to drink, especially when you're going through IVF and they're actually putting it back in you, an embryo. They say you're at the first stage of pregnancy and it really messes with your head when you're going through it because it's like, wait, I can't, I can't join you for wine tonight, friends, but I'm not I'm pregnant, not but, pregnant I might be. but I might be. And it's just this like really weird thing to explain. Pregnant-ish. Pregnant-ish. I, I like that. And I think like the ish of things, I'm actually trying <laughs> to popular, popularize that even because I think we, even in dating, in, in politics, we put so much pressure on being absolutely one thing. I think you could be happy-ish, you could be Republican-ish, you could be pregnant-ish, <laughs> I think you could be a lot of-ish. Um, but You can be Republican-ish, you can be a libertarian. You, you can be, yeah, well, true. Um, you can be so many things, and part of my, my, actually the thread in all my work with my book title, my long-ass book title, uh, <laughs> that you can see is I'm challenging conventional wisdom with common sense. 
So I'm saying, look, you're used to this framework, and it's always black and white. Rules, for instance, black and white. Life is in color, and there's a lot of ish. <laughs> and it's okay to like talk about politics and religion on a date. Maybe not a, well, these days, maybe even on a first date, it, you can figure out your values. I wouldn't suggest opening with that. But the point is, trust yourself. Don't trust rules. Um, be intuitive. Uh, get out of your head. That's the, the hope in dating and, and life. Well, I'm so glad you created this website. Uh, you're doing important important stuff. Yeah, so. Thank you. All right, guys, you ready to talk about what's in the news? Yeah. Angela, what are you reading about in the news? Well, great news. There's another dating trend we have to keep track of. Uh, Mashable's Katie Murdoch reported on submarining. Do you have you have either of you heard of submarining? Ah, Andrea oh, Andrea has. has. I of have, of course. I of course. You really are on top of all the trends. <laughs> I I have not. So for those of you that haven't, submarining is um, the thing where someone you've been seeing disappears for an extended period, but then randomly resurfaces with some version of a "Hey, what's up?" message. Um, they said this is different than zombieing or ghosting because. When an ex-ghost comes back, they acknowledge their absence and they uh, want to start back up again. <laughs> I'm shaking my head no because four months ago, this trend was called breadcrumbing. Yeah. So we're just coming up with new, but yeah. It's fun. true. <laughs> yeah. I still I still don't find like that big of a difference between breadcrumbing and benching. And benching. Because benching is like they're kind of keeping you as like the side chick, but you like you don't really know it, but you're like, oh, they're not that available, but they're kind of staying in touch. That's like super similar to breadcrumbing. It's just like everyone wants credit for coming up with the new word. <laughs> but the the subtle difference is the acknowledging of the absence, I guess. True, true. Right? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've known ghosters who haven't acknowledged it and resurfaced. But Really? Yeah, yeah I mean, I think the bottom line with the, these trends is, if you have to convince yourself so much that you should be dating this person, probably not a match. <laughs> have you found that this is like with your clients, like this is a, a big thing that's happening lately? Yeah. I mean, obviously the thing that's changed since I started, it, I mean, it feels ancient actually that I started <laughs> this in like well, 04, 05. Changed a lot. <laughs> because <laughs> the funniest part is I recently recorded He's Just Not Your Type and that's a good thing for Audible. And so many parts were, I mean, the, the book is still in, you know, but I wrote it in 2009 and I recorded it in the last two years. And certain things I said was like, invest in a webcam. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally ridiculous. And I also said, there's this new cool site called OkCupid. <laughs> and so like certain things, yeah, technology changes. What we want doesn't, but the way we're finding it does. And the way we ghost or disappear is, is going to increase probably when we have seemingly endless options. It's so interesting that you would think that ghosting would have been more popular in like our parents' age because people weren't trackable really then. Right. Whereas now like you ghost, it's like, all right, I can still see that you're like <laughs> active on Insta and Twitter and Facebook. So it's just funny that like ghosting is a phenomenon today when you can like, you can basically like still be like, almost surveilling people. You know? Maybe that's why it is though because our parents could probably just, it was easier to convince yourself like, well, maybe that person's dead. But <laughs> now unfortunately they, they leave a trail of where they've been. That's so funny. I remember the Sex and the City episode where Miranda's date stood her up but he died. Do you remember that? Anyway. Oh my God. Yeah. It was like she felt awful for just being but, so pissed. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. It's weird that every woman does kind of hold out that hope. No, they're like, maybe he's dead. <laughs> what? <laughs> every woman. Happy ending. I've never held out that hope, just for the record. Um, all right, you want to know what I've been reading? Yes. I've been reading Vice. This is an article by Annie Lord. How long most millennial couples stay together? Mm -hmm. uh, this is what the study said. A recent study found that the average relationship, this was done in, in Britain, by the way, for British 20-somethings lasts four years, but that those years are not always consecutive. 60% of 20-year-olds report experiencing at least one on-and-off-again relationship. Uh, Vice asked psychologist Stephanie Bosvert about her research into the impact of family and friends on romantic relationships to see what else they could learn about dating in their 20s. And she said that if you had poor peer relationships, kind of like at school, school uh, back when you were younger, it's you're probably going to have 
fewer relationships and the ones you have will be shorter. So she basically said, those who've had negative experiences with their peers growing up, social withdrawal and less peer-like ability often moved into the romantic sphere much later. This is a pattern we see repeated throughout adult life. They will have difficulty finding and maintaining sexual partners. So basically the article's the summary was, uh, it's all our parents' fault, and life is just an extension of the mean school playground. <laughs> but what, what do you guys think? Do you, this, is this surprising to you? Well, my four-year anniversary is in January. Oh. So. Happy anniversary. It, well, if we break up after that, like a typical millennial couple, apparently. You got to break it, up and then get back together, then, and, then, yeah. and, then, uh, and then break up for good at the four, before the four-year four mark. And then I'll be a millennial. Then you'll really be a millennial. <laughs> It'll be worth it. Yeah, break up tonight, get back together in a week, and then, and then break up again for good at your four-year anniversary. Yeah. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if this is true in January. Do you see this as a trend? I mean, I think the 20s are just a time of discovery, and that... In that way, it's not surprising because you're like, how many jobs and cities do you change and apartments do you change? So you're going to, I mean, it's just very fluid. I feel like 30 is a big kind of game changer in a woman, especially a woman's life, mm -hmm. really. But uh, yeah, I mean, what what's strange about the research, honestly, is when, she, uh, first of all, I don't find it super groundbreaking that, well, if you never had good relationships, you won't have one. Like, yeah. well, yeah, okay. That's probably not that surprising. <laughs> but um, it's so pessimistic. It is. I, <laughs> it's, I, hard, it's hard to I hear. That's a hard study to, because you, we want to believe that if someone does the work, they can improve their relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that, I guess that'd be, that's like a good litmus test. I guess if you are dating somebody new and you find out that they don't have any friends from when they were younger and <laughs> like, and they're, they just like have, you know, they hate their parents. Then maybe if they if you know they haven't done any work, you should maybe you know be a little wary. Sure. You, you know it's funny. Like after before I got married, I made what I call the must have can't stand list, and um, what what I really needed to have in a partner. And one of the things I never considered before was must be emotionally available, <laughs> <laughs> which is important <laughs> because because and and want to grow with me. Mm -hmm. um, like, you don't realize how important that is when you're 21. Yes, right, absolutely. Uh, we're going to talk about lists later on in the podcast too, and we're also going to jump into the mailbox right after this quick little break to thank some of our sponsors. We would like to thank our sponsor, FabFitFun. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box delivered four times a year. You get over $200 worth of products for just $49.99. I am obsessed with FabFitFun, not only because I love to subscriptionize my life, but I love discovering new products. Yes, and at full size too. Like there's other subscription boxes that give you little itty bitty like hotel room size samples. And if I love something, I want the whole bottle and FabFitFun gives it to you. Yes, you get makeup. They've given umbrellas, mugs, lip gloss. It's just like a ton of really, really fun stuff. I, I'm just, I'm obsessed with it. I, I honestly, I wish it came more. But yeah. four, four times a year is great because then by the time I'm ready, getting ready for my next box, I've like finally finished using right, the stuff in it, it. It'll last you. Exactly. We are hooking it up. Try FabFitFun today. Go to FabFitFun.com to subscribe and start getting the box for a life well lived. Use our promo code SINGLE to get $10 off your first box. That's products valued at $200 for only $39.99. Again, go to FabFitFun.com. Use our promo code SINGLE to get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. We would also like to thank our sponsor, Care Of. Care Of is a new kind of vitamin company. It's a subscription service, and they send you these monthly packets of vitamins. It's amazing. I love it. The little packets are super cute. They come in these little paper packets with your name on them, and it has all the vitamins that you need. And as I'm sure you already know, vitamins and supplements are one of the best basic ways to ensure you're meeting your body's nutrition needs, but it's really hard to figure out which ones to take. And... 
what I love is on their site, they ask you all these questions about your diet, your health goals, and then they recommend the best supplements for you. It's a really easy process. It just takes a few minutes. I found out that I need a calcium supplement, which I hadn't been taking. And yeah, I kind of stopped eating milk, which should have been pretty obvious for me that I needed to take a calcium supplement, which was, you know, one of the many. I also take fish oil, um, a couple others. I don't remember. They're in my daily packet though. Uh, but yeah, they they ask you all these questions. It's a super easy process. And then they they send you your monthly packets. You also save money when getting your vitamins there compared to your local health food store. They also use the best ingredients in their vitamins and supplements. And then every day you don't have to open like seven different bottles. You just open your little packet, pop it in your mouth, and you know you're you're healthy. I feel like I have more energy. To be honest, I feel like my skin is better, my diet's better. I mean, I'm getting all of the nutrition that that I need. Uh, so guys, they also have prenatal vitamins. Any of you mamas out there or mamas-to-be, so check out their prenatal options. And we're hooking it up for all of our listeners. All you got to do is go to TakeCareOf.com right now, get your personalized recommendation, use our offer code SINGLE, and get 50% off your first month's order. That is a huge hookup. So try it out. If you don't like it, you you can stop, but I'm pretty sure you're going to like it. But you'll get 50% off your first month's order if you go to TakeCareOf.com now. Use our offer code SINGLE. All right, Angela, what do we have in the mailbox for Andrea to help us answer? Okay, first up, we have a really great email from our listener, Catherine, and... It's a long one. It's a long one. Bear with us. Catherine is going to take us on a journey right now. But it's worth (laughs) it. But it's worth it. Okay, so Catherine is 27 years old. She uh, is a Filipina currently living in Canada, and she writes, I'm writing you guys today because I'm having trouble feeling lonely. I'm from the Philippines, and I just moved here in Canada two years ago. I have been in a relationship with a guy for eight years, and before I left, we both agreed that we can make this long-distance thing work. I actually went home a couple of times just to visit him, but then I started to feel lonely and horny, so horny that no amount of masturbation could suffice for it. Then I met this Russian guy from a friend, and we actually fell in love with each other. I can't break up with my boyfriend from from the Philippines because we've been together for so long, and also because we have some joined properties Breaking up with him is basically like a divorce. So many paperwork. Um, <laughs> so so much paperwork. So it's just not worth it. So I just decided to keep my affair from him. And him living in different time zones actually is a big help. Because when I go with the Russian guy, he's sleeping. But then this Russian guy had to move to another province that is three out a three-hour plane ride away. And that means that I'm going to be in, a, in two long-distance relationships fuck (laughs) so i'm having a hard time breaking up with the russian guy because he is like the most perfect guy i've ever met and i am no doubt fully in love with him so months pass this is is a long one yeah but wait so months pass and i got lonely and horny again so i decided to resort to drumroll tinder now i met this above average nice guy He's not really that exciting, but he's amazing in bed. Amazing. Plus, he's physically here with me. We did a lot of great things. Which is always good. Yeah. (laughs) Being in two, a long-distance relationship is hard. Being in two, unimaginable. He's he's in the room with me. Um, We did a lot of great things together, things that a normal boyfriend-girlfriend would do, and not just have sex. He even actually introduced me to his friends and his family. I even had a thought about actually dealing with my boyfriend in the Philippines and just going through with all the paperwork that come with breaking up. Months passed, and I thought everything was going great between us, and then suddenly he decided to break up with me because he said he's not ready to commit to a relationship. What? Well, that's what she said. What the fuck? I, <laughs> now I feel super devastated with my love life. I am starting to feel like I am getting tired of dealing with men, but at the same time, I feel so lonely. Waking up and sleeping in the same bed alone. Also, I have an Asian, pa- I have Asian parents, and it isn't a big help because they keep asking me when I'm going to get married. I seriously don't know what to do. Please help. Ooh. I'm exhausted for her. I know. <laughs> we saved this one for you, Andrea. Okay. You're I, the only one that can help. Well, I almost feel like. 
I could say it in like one sentence. Do you think this right. is karma? Is this karma? No, I don't even think it's karma. I think she. I think the very thing she's doing. Actually, a lot of times with questions, people answer their own questions. Uh, in the question, <laughs> yeah. um, I think she's exhausted and realizes this is not a good pace to keep up. I think the best thing. What's her name? Catherine. Catherine. Yes. Catherine. The best thing you can do is actually. This is maybe going to surprise you. Don't go for door number one, two, or three. Close the doors and start again. And I'll tell you why. Because I know that Catherine attracts good men. Because Catherine has a pattern where there's (laughs) no problem getting those dates and good sex. So I'm not too worried about Catherine being on the scene, being single. And I think actually to have two long distance relationships are not, it's not serving her. The fact that you say, well, first of all, I think we need to replace the word can't with won't. You can break up with the guy in the Philippines. You won't because it's difficult, but it's actually eating at you emotionally and it's more stress than you realize to keep this up. So definitely um, as much as possible, starting 2018, you can, I could give Catherine a runway. <laughs> <laughs> Q1, 2018. <laughs> like start again with someone who's emotionally and physically available in the city you're in. And they have a job. And they have a they job. And they treat moving. you well. And they right. treat you well. And they're ready for commitment. And they're available. Right. So what we're saying is it's worth it to go through with the paperwork, Catherine. <laughs> yeah, go through with the paperwork. And yeah, I mean, this the third number three, that's kind of not even an option because he says yeah, he's, no. yeah. he's not ready. And honestly, he could probably feel you maybe being even a little distant. You've got two long-distance relationships you're dealing with on the side. Yeah, you might be a little distracted. <laughs> you're probably a little distracted. You're probably not there with him. So number three is no longer an option. And number one and two, unfortunately, you just got to tell the Russian that you don't want to do long distance relationships and he's just going to have to understand that and then you've been wanting to break up with the guy in the philippines for a long time so get it done girl Ooh. all right i think we took care of that Catherine. you're <laughs> yeah. gonna be you're gonna be, you're gonna be okay let us know what happens but yeah i know that's such a good point andrea that you picked up on that she's f- gonna be fine in the dating world because she knows how to keep a long distance relationship or a long-term relationship yeah. it sounds like yeah so and, that was mm-hmm. that was good to pick up on that yeah, and I think I think so often it's so funny when we can't make a decision. Um, often, if it's between, like I said, door A, B, C, there's always another option. Maybe we haven't considered, which is none of the above. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, D. None, none it's always D. It's always D. It's always D. All right, what else do we have in the mailbox for Andrea to help us answer? Okay, next we have an email from Danielle. Danielle writes, "I've been with my boyfriend for almost two years." We live together. We're having a baby together. We get along so well. He takes care of me. He makes me feel loved, but he has never told me he loves me. I told him I love him about six months into our relationship, and he just said, you do? (laughs) So I never said it again. About a year into it, I tried to leave him because I felt like since he has never said he loves me, then maybe he doesn't, but he practically begged me to stay. I'm 24, and he's 32. We both agree that this is the best relationship we've been in, and I can feel that he loves me. So should I just wait for him to say it, or should I let it go? The fact that they have a baby together is just like throwing a wrench in what I would normally advise. But I'll let Andrew, you take it away first. Yeah, it's complicated because actions are more important than words. I really do believe that in a relationship. That said, what is going on? Like, dude, I would want to put him in a room and say... What's you know off the record? What's going on? Is yeah. he does he have a really sordid history, like terrible history with loving people and feeling like he's going to get hurt, or are we making excuses for him and he just isn't as committed as she's painting the picture um, that yeah. he is? Yeah, I wonder and, like if people grow like if his parents growing up didn't say I love you or just something yeah. something weird is here. Like when you have been with somebody for two years and you have a baby. And they live together. It is honestly, Danielle, just 
goddamn bizarre for him not to say it. it. Like you've seen enough like movies and pop culture to know that like saying I love you to somebody that you're with is like a normal thing. And like it's like something that you say when you get off the phone. So it's just bizarre that he has not said it in two years. Like when you're when you're giving birth to your child, wasn't he like, oh my God, good job. I love you. You can do it. Well, given birth yet. Maybe he's waiting. No, doesn't she? Oh, we are having a baby. She's pregnant. Oh, well, here's the, the good slash bad news. Uh, Danielle and any listener who is thinking of bringing a child into the picture, everything will be crystallized very soon because you cannot, uh, you will know someone's true level of commitment at that stage and and it it magnifies every issue you have. Um, I think if this, I do think it's a valid concern. I think Danielle may want to suggest therapy (laughs) I was yeah, going to say him that before the baby, just to say to him, "Listen, it's a huge step we're taking, bringing a child in. Can we check in with each other with a counselor?" And in that session, it doesn't have to be all about this is an "I love you" session. <laughs> it's just a she can just present it to him as I think it's good for us to go into a session together, and then it can come up organically. Yeah, and just yeah. say like she can just explain in the session, "Hey, I'm really big on words of affirmation. I need to be told that I am am loved, and I don't feel like I get." as many words of affirmation from you or any, you know, yeah. but, but yeah, I think that's a great suggestion. Yeah. Cause I also think like, you know, people always say like actions speak louder than words, but don't you think like after two years and a baby on the way, not saying I love you kind of becomes an action. Yes, it's I like, do. It's a good point. I mean, I think it's um, knowing that she has said it time and time again, it sounds like, or she, she said it. She, she, said, she said it once. The one time, yeah, oh, only once. She said it once, and he was like, "You do." And then she, and then she, <laughs> she got, got kind scared. of weird and never said it again. Yeah, I, I think that this is when I, yeah, therapy. Just one session, and don't frame it as everything's wrong. I think Danielle, frame it like this is a good idea before we co-parent. Yeah, and just to check in with each other about a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, I hope that was helpful, Danielle. Let us know what happens. Uh, if any of you other listeners want your questions answered, or if you have any funny text messages or messages from an app that you want to share with us, you can email us at contact at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. You can also find all of our contact info on our website at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. Now let's dive in to our reason of the week. This week's reason is creating your dating checklist. Yes, you alluded to this a little bit earlier, and it's our it's our episode topic today. And Andrew, you've said in, in a lot of articles and in your books that you have what you call a must-have and can't-stand checklist that you say everybody should make. So what is on this list, and how can people attempt to go about putting this together? This isn't like a, I want someone with like, you know, brown eyes and a <laughs> sense of humor, or is it right. that? It could be. Okay, so the must-have can't stand list, and the easiest way to find it, of course, is in in the book, He's Just Not Your Type, but also I wrote about it for Oprah.com, so it's out there. The instructions are pretty simple. I think you'll remember this. Five things you must have in a future partner, five things you can't stand. So it doesn't matter how superficial you get, but no, you only have five. The reason I think it's important to limit it is because (laughs) I have worked with people through the years who could practically write like a six- you know, uh, part series, um, <laughs> which is like probably why you're single yeah. because that's ridiculous. You're you're demanding to um, you're expecting too many things for for, for one, one person to live up to, and yeah, they're and they're just, just gonna not, let you down. They're gonna let you down. And when you boil it down to the five, I encourage people to really think about the essentials. So must have. I've heard everything from, you know, a sense of humor, of course. To uh, like one person I interviewed recently said, I must have someone who can dance, which I thought was an interesting must have. But she's like, no, I want to use the one of my must haves on that. Okay, fine. (laughs) I don't care if, but I always encourage people to have one of the must haves as must be into me because your dating life will always change. Uh, Can't stands are often sometimes the opposite of the must have, but not always. And a lot of times, here's a fun fact for the listeners and, um, you know, if you're following along with the must-have, can't stand, you'll notice that sometimes the person you pine for, the ex you miss, fulfill a lot of the can't stands. Oh, and then wow. that begs the question, why are you pining for this person? Mm. Um, so it's it crystallizes a lot of things to kind of stare at this list and let it guide you. And, try, and remember, there's a difference between a person and a partner. Like, what must you have in a partner? 
So you give an example in your Oprah article that I figured I'd read. So this is an example from one of your clients. So her must-have list included generosity, a sense of humor, self-awareness, which I thought was a really great one because, yeah, some people just don't have that that self-awareness. Family values, another great one. And attractive. She, she even put in parentheses like, I want to kiss him, okay? Like, you know, some people feel superficial for putting attractiveness, you know? Well, it's funny because I remember with her, she originally had the color hair or the height he needed to be. Oh, wow. And I said, are you open? Can I, you know, make a deal with you that he may come in a different package, but you don't have to convince yourself you're attracted. Right. So if you put on your list, like, I only want someone that's like over six foot and then you meet someone that's like five, eight, then you're like, oh, but he doesn't meet my list. And like, oh, you're already looking at it like, eh. Because sometimes you could be attracted to someone that's like a little shorter. Sometimes you surprise yourself what you're attracted to. That's that's exactly it. So it's just knowing I must be attracted to him or her um, opens it. Yeah. And then her can't stand list was self-centered. Yes, that sucks. Unmotivated, which I think is a great one to put. It was interesting. My mom has pointed out to me that like she never, that wasn't something she really thought about with my dad when they like first got together. She's like, yeah, I mean, he like had a job, whatever. And then he kind of like grew into his motivation later on. But you can't count on that with people, you know, and especially, you know, they were like 24, 25 when they got married. But, um, but, you know, then my dad became super motivated later on and like got his master's and got his doctorate. But she was like, Honestly, I'm shocked because <laughs> she said like, you know, when, when I fell for your dad, like motivation was not something I would have necessarily maybe even like noticed about him. Um, so, but yeah, I, I would say like maybe at the age when you're making these lists, people, mm-hmm. you, you can either tell if they're motivated or not. Anyways, uh, the, the last three she put on her can't stand list was arrogance, a sense of entitlement, uh, which could not be more relevant today, uh, yes. and argumentative which mm-hmm. is good. Yeah. And that was inspired by her ex, actually, some oh. of those qualities. Um, so it's amazing what we put up with when we think someone's our type. Like when we say, well, he ha- checks all the superficial boxes, so even though he's a pain in the ass and argumentative and making me feel crappy, uh, well, he has a good job and he's really attractive. And like, and we make excuses, and mm-hmm. that's where we get in trouble. Do you recommend putting things like religion on your list? If it's a value, absolutely. So if you're secular and it's not, it doesn't matter either way. That that's one thing. But um, but it could, you know, it could be a, definitely a deal breaker for people. Do you think this is a question we get a lot? If that is like an important thing that's in your top five, is that something you should put in your dating profile? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's in your top five. I, if you're not going to settle for someone who's not of your faith or then, yeah, I mean, definitely you'll, you'll weed out. uh, Listen, this is a bigger, you have to really decide if it's the biggest core value for you because some people, there's a chapter in my book about religion, for instance, people who never thought they'd date outside of it and fell in love with people they didn't expect. And it worked out. Um, It was harder Uh, but they made it work. So just, it's hard to not be, you know, the biggest tip I have is not to be too rigid. Um, If you have uh, trust and respect in a relationship, you're already ahead. (laughs) And um, people may surprise you Mm -hmm. with what what you're drawn to. Yeah, I love that. We're going to dive a little deeper into this in our Reason of the Week breakdown. It's good to know what you're looking for in a relationship, but sometimes it's not easy. We are going to test Andrea's type. We are going to describe two guys, and Andrea will have to decide which guy to keep and which guy to say bye-bye to. It's a game we call Keep or Sweep. We are going to describe two guys, and you gotta you got to pick pick one. you got to pretend that these are – they might not fit your – your must-have, can't-stand list necessarily, mm-hmm. but let's pretend these are the only two guys left on earth. <laughs> okay. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right. Uh, Angela, take it away. Okay. First up, he looks like Ashton Kutcher, but farts every time he sits down, or a guy who looks like Danny DeVito, but is really good at going down on you. <laughs> you have presented some incredible <laughs> options. I, I am going to, well, I'm going to go for Ashton. 
Yeah. You could deal with the farting. You know, I just, because I can't, I don't think I can make out with Danny DeVito. Right. Even if he's hot in bed, like, I just can't get over that. I mean, yeah, so, I, you know, I got to be physically attracted. <laughs> yeah. I'll just buy, like, I'll just, you know, carry something in my purse to smell. <laughs> right. Yeah. A clothespin for your nose. <laughs> for your <Yeah>. nose. <laughs> All right, next guy. He opens the doors and gives you flowers every Friday, but he has a giant mole on his forehead with five hairs on it and doesn't want them to be removed or plucked. Or a guy who gives 20% of his salary to charity, but is one of those people who doesn't let people get off the subway first. Oh, I'm going to go for B. Really? Yeah. Because, you know, giving... I mean, listen, the culturally, I know my dad's from Hungary, he is such a giving, loving man. He totally knocks people over <laughs> on the street. <laughs> and, and like, there's a joke with Hungarians that you are behind them in the revolving door line and they come out first. And <laughs> how did that happen? So yeah, that's why I picked B. Nick is Hungarian. Oh, oh, how is he in revolving doors? Go. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. He, he's actually the one thing I love about him. He always he's very good at opening doors and like letting people off subways and things. Actually, and yeah. and he's pretty good in revolving doors too. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he always pulls out chairs. He's <laughs> he was raised right. Yeah, yeah. My husband's really good at it too. But it's funny how it's actually a good question because my dad is exactly that. Oh type. yeah, that's he's so very giving. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't know if a Nick pulls out chairs, but he does all the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> he opens all the doors. <laughs> he would pull out the chair if it was there. Sure, Whatever. I'm sure. I'm if sure. you were like, I can't lift this chair, he would do it. <laughs> he, he, he definitely would if I could not lift the chair. <laughs> all right. What, who's next? All right. Um, a guy who is a Michelin star chef, but he smells like a hospital. Or a guy that has the cutest dog that you're obsessed with, but is in a Maroon 5 cover band. Giving me hard ones. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Maroon Five. Yeah, man. You just don't have to go to every concert. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> and I love dogs, so I'll hang out with the dog. Yeah, right. maybe you can encourage him to write his own music. You oh, know? like honey, you have a gift. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to live in Adam Levine's shadow. I I think I would agree with her. I am so sensitive when it comes to smell. Like Nick always smells good, and I I really notice it. I'm big on smells a major part of attraction. Pheromones are ba- big. Pheromones are a real thing, people. It really is. Taste and smell is is as important, if not more, than sight. Honestly, it's it's such a part of ke- our chemistry that I couldn't get over it if mm-hmm. someone didn't smell good. No, yeah, pl- there's yeah. no way. And if you smell like a hospital, I'm just going to always think about like, oh, like when I shut my finger in a car door at that time, I'm triggered. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually very relevant because today we went to Dwayne Reed and Nick needed to buy some new deodorant. And I'm like very adamant on trying to get him to like, wear like natural deodorant with like no aluminum because I want him to live forever and he was like I can't do it I can't I tried you bought it for me before I was like I'll try a different brand I'll try a different brand he's like look I need to smell good I'm gonna and he even said to me he's like I will lose friends I will like people That's won't so funny people aren't gonna want to work with me I we, know a woman who yeah <laughs> yes we had this conversation actually like literally hours ago and he was like I can't I'm buying my aluminum packed Deodorant. I'm. I'm not. I can't even risk one day of trying a different brand of your natural shit. Well, <laughs> not long ago, we reported on that dating service that was all about exchanging like your smelly shirts for the right. other person to I remember smell. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what ever happened to them. I guess they didn't. They're, they're at up. parties. They have smelly shirt parties. <laughs> I covered it like years ago in an article. That's so um, weird. Where you mail in your shirt, yeah, like, before and then. I mean, these are all, some Some of them are gimmicky, of course. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, all right, what do we have next to challenge Andrea? Um, I think it's your turn. All right. we have. Do we have a guy who always remembers everyone's birthday and is a great gift giver, but has a rat tail in his hair? Or, and a rat tail, not like an actual rat, like, you know, like those little <laughs> yeah, braids, those little tiny braids. In case braids. you didn't grow like up in the 90s. In 19, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 1992 or something. Or would you date a guy who makes you laugh harder than any Comedy Central special, but he makes you go to all of his shitty improv shows? Ooh, I dated, I married number two. Really? <laughs> uh, so there you go. That's my choice. <laughs> Actually, Michael was in an Upright Citizens Brigade uh, group, so they were really good. Oh, but good. I've also okay. been to some of his shitty <laughs> shows through the years. I always thought he was super talented, though. Oh, 
I'm I'm a I'm a UCBer. UCBer for life. Yeah. Shout awesome. out. Shout yeah. out to the community. Sometimes totally. sometimes the opening act is just hard to sit through, you know. <laughs> T- totally. And it's painful. And but he ma- he makes me laugh every day. Aww. And howl. And that's how I f- why I fell in love with him. So, yeah, I guess I pick number 2 for sure. <laughs> was funny on your must-haves list. Making me laugh was and this is such a weird thing. I was dating like the perfect quote-unquote guy prior to Michael, my husband. And he was great, uh, but um, he. This sounds so snobby. He laughed at the wrong parts of the movie. <laughs> I was like, that part's not funny. The old woman doing that thing is not funny. That really can so, be a huge turnoff. A That's turn-off. so yeah, laughing at the wrong thing in a movie that would bug you. I feel like Angela. it really would. That's really, that's like a deal breaker. <laughs> that's an Angela thing where she would be like, "What?" I could just see you stewing on a date. Like I would read too much into it. I would just there would I would be like, "This means." Uh, then like a litany of terrible things. <laughs> so that's when I realized it was a must have. Yeah. Well, it's since you married number two, I think we got to go out on that one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we got to go out on that one. Um, before we wrap up today, any like last advice you want to give to all the, the single peeps out there? To all the single peeps. Um, or people biggest, in relationships yeah. to everyone. Well, my biggest advice is that love doesn't live in your head. I mean, of course we want to be logical and thoughtful about it. But um, try to be present as much as possible. Again, I said it before, be your vacation self. That's a great energy to have. I love You'll that phrase, open. vacation self, because yeah. it makes so much. You know, I'm sick of people being like, oh, just like, don't think about it. When you are single and you're act- actively looking for somebody, you're thinking about it. But being your vacation self is something that you can work towards. Not thinking about, you know, oh, you'll find someone when you're not thinking about it is not possible. That's right. And like, it's true for dating. It's true for like babies. They say, oh, don't think about it. And you'll have one, you know, I'm sure you deal with that. Yeah. With the, all the people that you, that you talk to for, for your website. And that's just not advice that is, is real. Absolutely. So, so get as much as possible being present, being open, getting outside your comfort zone, breaking your patterns, these are the things that we do do on vacation naturally, and we're not so attached to the results. We, we meet people and engage with them because we're genuinely curious in that moment. That's a great energy. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, we hope we have cleared up this week's reason. That is it for this week's This Is Why You're Single podcast. Thank you so much to our guests who I've known for like, weirdly, like 10 years. It's crazy. Uh, Andrea Sirtash, follow her on Twitter, A N D. Uh, Andrea Seertash. It's so not easy. It, no, it actually is very easy. A-N-D-R-E-A and her last name Seertash. S-Y-T-R. S-Y-R. I, should I say it? Yeah, please. <laughs> What's funny is we have it written down. Yeah. We have it written down. I'm like butchering the alphabet. It's okay. It's um, Andrea Seertash. A-N-D-R-E-A. S-Y-R-T-A-S-H. Yes. And if you can't spell it, just look up Cheat on Your Husband with Your Husband. You'll remember that. Yeah, you can also check yeah. out her website, andreasertash.com, um, and check out all of her books. It's great information. Um, and you can also check out our book. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our audiobook is available on Audible. Yep, and you can get hooked up with discounts from all of our sponsors. For a full list of sponsors and codes, check out our podcast page on thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. We're also on social. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Your Single Show. You can follow me on Instagram at Laura Lane Rad and on Twitter at Laura Lane. And you can follow me at Sparodactyl, which I can't even spell, but you'll figure it out <laughs> at Twitter and Instagram. Um, please like and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. That was a headgum podcast.